This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Royal Blue Podcast. My name is Joe Thomas. I'm the Echo's Everton FC correspondent. And I'm joined by my colleagues, Carl, Connor O'Neill, and Paul Wheelock, and our long-term contributor, Gavin Buckland. Lads, we're here for the first time in months, for the first time since October, we are speaking after an Everton win in a competitive game. I stress competitive because obviously we had the penalty shootout win over Celtic and the the, the thrashing of the Western Sydney Wanderers in the uh, in the Sydney Super Cup, which I'm sure we all you know hang our hats on over over November. But yeah, five months since a win or so. I mean, it's 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 been a long time coming. Gav, how's, how's it feel? How's it feel waking up on a Monday morning thinking, you know what? Actually, I've got some positive momentum coming from the weekend. Even for a Nardal geezer like myself, it was uh, it was great, wasn't it? I I thoroughly enjoyed the the entire experience. It was quite clear from within a couple of minutes of watching the game, which was good. That this is different to what we've seen under under Lampard and indeed under several different managers, and we built on that and thoroughly deserved thoroughly deserved our victory. The one thing I'd say, I was thinking about this after the game, and I'm going to mention Arigo Saki, uh, who's the great AC Milan manager of the late 80s. And he had, he, he, when he first walked into AC Milan in 1987, he said to the players, so the greatest players in history, Van Basten, Hullet, you know, Rijkaard, Berezi, Maldini said, says, you've got to work hard in football games. If you work harder than the opposition, invariably you'll win most of your games. And he saw a textbook and put that on Saturday. That we worked out harder than Arsenal, as we'll talk about over the ninety minutes. On the back of that, we deserve to win. And as such, you know, Sean, Sean Dice is the new Ari Gosaki. Um, but yeah, it was setting that aside. It was yeah, it was a it was a great day, great experience. I'm sure that was shared by everybody in the stadium, unless you were an Arsenal fan or player. Yeah, Paul. Obviously, I mean, a lot of the talk in the the week that we knew that Dice was a new manager was was over his tactics and. Is his preference for the four four two? Obviously, on, on Saturday he lined up with a four five one, made two changes from the starting lineup for Frank Lampard's last game against West Ham. Brought in McNeil and brought he brought in McNeil for um for for Damari Gray, and obviously Yerry Mina missed out. I mean, what what for, for Abdullah Decore? I mean, did that surprise you? Were you expecting him to go four four two? Were you expecting him to keep Frank's kind of wing backs with with, with Damari Gray supporting Calvert Lewin, or, or or what were you expecting? Yeah, it was a bit of a pleasant su- surprise on the the way up. I've never seen on our Twitter and our uh, obviously our website at two o'clock when it came out because I think like most people would have expected a four four two, and I was quite surprised that Mari Gray didn't start because I think towards the end of Frank Lampard's reign, he was probably one of the better performers. Uh, so yeah, it, it added to the kind of intrigue factor uh, when we got there, but it was proved to be the absolutely correct decision, wasn't our fourth. Uh, Tactically, we were absolutely brilliant. As Gav said, you can get a feel for a game, can't you, early on, and you could tell we were up for it. And you could tell we were really well organised. And, you know, Sean Dyche in his, you know, his press conference on Thursday, his interview with the, the club's media, you know, after he was appointed, he did talk up this current set of players and uh, because obviously there was a lot, a lot of focus on if we could bring anyone into the transfer market. We did talk up these players, and they really did live up to that on, on Saturday. They did prove that there is talent in this squad. Uh, so they deserve a lot of credit. But for what Sean Dyche has done there in five days, really has to take your hat off for him because 
yeah, it was a different formation. It's not one that he's used to playing. It's not particularly one I'd say Everton are used to playing either. Uh, but the players did everything that he wanted clearly to to attain. And you know, before the game, Noel probably couldn't have seen a formation like that going forward. But after it, it feels like a bit of a blueprint. And just just to echo what Gav said, it was just an absolutely brilliant day. Uh, the performance, the atmosphere, it really did feel. Like Everton, a little bit again, and I know, as you said in your report after the game, Joe, there's still a long way to go, but it's just, uh, certainly give myself and I think every other supporter and everyone who's in that ground a bit of hope going forward. Connor, obviously, we, we speak about the 4-5-1. I think, I, I can't remember Lampard ever using that uh, formation at, at Everton, certainly not this season, but obviously, they, they got the start, but I thought one of the things that was quite interesting was after about 20 minutes, Iwobi and, and McNeil switched flanks, uh, and that kind of, added a bit of a different dynamic to it. It felt like it made a difference. I mean, one, how, how crucial do you think that was to, to then what happened for the next 25 minutes of the second of the first half, which is where Everton dominated? And two, how nice was it to see and then put my cards on the table? I like Frank, and I think I think Frank Lampard could have done a, a, a good job at Everton if he had the resources that, that he deserves and that Sean Dice deserves going forward. But one thing I think it was a fair criticism of was perhaps he wasn't particularly proactive tactically I mean in the first 20 minutes we saw Sean Dyche making quite a significant change I mean it was quite a nice thing to see wasn't it yeah I think what we saw on Saturday was almost levels in, in terms of managers I think you know Frank was obviously still relatively young with his managerial career probably you know got a lot to learn I think what we saw on, on Saturday was you know Sean Dyche that the shrewd Premier League operator because he's operated at this level for a long period. He knows what's about. He knows how to get results. You know, it's quite ironic, isn't it? That you know, supposedly Jordan, you know, is talked to effort before having big before having Sherry. Marcelo Bielsa was, you know, needed six, you know, months basically to, to get his to get his head round things and, and get things right. And and just took you know, showing like essentially a week or five training sessions to to transform the sides. And I know. Look, we, we can't get carried away because Everton is still in the Boston Parade. Everton still have a, a big fight ahead of them moving forward. But the signs of what we saw on Saturday were really, really positive. And, and I think it was very much, you know, that was what watching Everton should be all about. Of high press and intensity getting stuck in. And the big thing for me was the wingers. Because it was quite interesting. I spoke to James Tarkovsky afterwards and, you know, I asked about Nari and his performance because of Joe touching it, but I thought he was top standard. And although he was, you know, echoed them words and, and sentiments, he was also very quick to praise how to all be right in the plane. I said they only grew a real shift in there and, and they, they made that they were a massive outlet for us and, you know, they've done a lot of hard yards. And the thing that caught me was how many times we attempted to cross the balls to the box. You know, one thing under Frank, I thought whether they'd be a more of a possession-based game, but, you know, whether I've got a, a six-foot number nine who feeds off balls into the box, it was quite clear on Saturday, every time McNeil, I know we got the ball, it was one touch try and cross, one touch try and cross. And you saw that around the corners, ever that, I mean, I don't know what this the stats were in the end, but you know they must have had double on the corner that they ever had under Frank Lampard because you know, they sent this ball in the first half and they're about four or five a quick succession. They probably got up three or four in the second half, one way, you know, towards the end McNeil goes to the corner for like I'm just bunch plays for a corner. But it has smart, better play than what we've seen in recent weeks. And, and the, the two wingers were British metal and, and you've got to sing all Brighton McNeil because I've always been whatever the better operators for a long time. I think we can all agree on that. And you know, the, the one thing about He's put a real shift in wherever he's been on the pitch. You don't expect anything less now from him because he set that standard quite high. But the thing for me was how good Dwight McNeil got the more the game went on. 
I think the first 10, 15 minutes, he looked like that player who could be off being lack of confidence, struggling to get, you know, struggled to get the game a little bit, but once they made the switch, you know, he, he, he just become revitalised the more the game went on and deserved got himself for assistant. And that was a really positive for me because I've always felt that with towards the end of Frank Ring, there was definitely a case for me that they were not better players who Frank wasn't getting enough outs off. Whether that be confidence, whether that be the way they were playing, but it felt like Everton had players who Frank Lampard should have been getting more out of. And it's Sean Dyche on Saturday got more out of McNeil. I thought more pay when he come on as well. You know, was kind of that nuisance centre forward that Brighton that you go you kind of love and hate. We haven't really seen that in Everton. You know, he's probably been too nice for his own good at Everton, but you know, he's come on and made himself a nuisance and, and it made a massive impact. So yeah, for me, I think we saw a manager who knows how to get that extra 10, 15 percent out of plays and, and it made a massive difference because ultimately that's what put Everton over the line. Certainly nice to see Dwight McNeil get the assist for the goal. Only his second assist of the season, and to be honest, he could have had more. I think it was it was McNeil who put the cross in for the Corey in the first half, and they really should have done better for that header. I think, you know, yeah. I think one of the common things that we're saying here at the minute is it felt like the Everton and lots of people are saying is Everton worked harder than we have seen. I think the stats back that up. I think they, you know, showed on match day the other day that they they'd run more against Arsenal than they had in any other ninety minutes this season so far. Get out. You start. You touched on this first with, with with that increased effort and desire. In fairness to Frank Lampard, that was something that he always asked of his players. He, you know, privately and publicly, he always put a lot of emphasis on on the hard work. And obviously, he had a glittering career, and his ability is you know is unquestionable. You look you look at his records, look at the trophies he's won, and the teams that he's rightly played played in. And he would always be quite humble and say, "It was the hard work that got me there." But, you know, it was the hard work. It wasn't the natural ability. It was because I was on the training ground. But obviously, as Connor alluded to there, I felt like there was something a little bit different in that performance on, on Saturday. I mean, do you think do you think it, it's as simple as it being a, a new manager bounce and everybody wants to impress, everybody wants to fight for the new manager because they've got a new lease of life? Or, or do, you think, do you think Sean Dyche has got a different approach? Or how do you think he inspired that extra bit of fight? Yeah. It's a bit of both, isn't it, really? I think it's probably more um, the fact that Conor may have said this. Dice has been a manager a lot longer than Lampard, hasn't he? What does he go back to? He's had years as a manager. You don't know him alone, did he? Yeah. So he's had that time to develop, a, especially one club, to, to develop a style of play that he wants to, you know, implement during the game. So I think that's where, like, Frank has had three jobs in for five years or something. Two completely different career paths. And so I think when Dice comes to Everton, I think he, and, he, and we've all seen the videos and stuff, he's got a clear style of play that he wants both within and without the ball. And that's been developed over many years. And you come back to what I said at the start, that, you know, that, that was apparent within what? 90 seconds of the start of the game. That this play style, but bit Frank, it was all a little bit more intangible, wasn't it, really? And 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 I think, you know, some of that was down to, let's face it, you know, Dice is a good coach. Frank is still in the unproven category. So, as an, an indemnity of, of Dice as well, comes comes in here. So, I think it was that experience Dice has got over the years. I think in terms of the players, I think, Working harder, yeah, maybe you manage your bounce, but you work harder if you know exactly what you're doing as well, don't you? And I don't I don't like 
running stats. I mean, I do lots of football pitching on now. Um, I don't, I don't, you know, is it, I don't even. Yeah, I think I mentioned this uh, Rory Smith's book about um, football data, and he found out like one of the targets Man City had would have six sprints during the game. And what they found out with uh, Pablo Zabalas is when the ball disappeared into the crowd, he's run from one side from one side to the pitch to the other. And that was in his stats. And and I think what I'm saying is here is it's all very well running far, but it's knowing when to run, how far to run and you know, who to run against is the key thing there. And we got that right on Saturday, didn't we? It was quite clear in the given time. The players knew where they were running to and how far they would go and then, then to retreat. So r- running hard and all them yards and 15 kilometres, whatever, is pretty meaningless to me. I, I'm relying on what I've seen on during the game. And what I saw was was an effective, intelligent way of, of getting out of the pitch. And some of that is due to new manager bounce, but I think a lot of that's also down to Dice's, you know, well-developed style of play. And one of the things that should be obsessed to see going forward is, is that going to beat the blueprints for the rest of the season or is that just something to cancel Arsenal on, oh, on Saturday? I'll stick with you, Gav. To a certain extent, I think, judging by what you viewed at the tactics and, and Dyche's approach, probably already answered this slightly, but do you think that Frank Lampard's got any right to be a little bit disappointed looking at that performance and thinking, well, maybe some of them players weren't giving me all of their effort in the final weeks of my tenure? The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Yeah, I mean, we, we, if you rewind the clock back, I think it was 12 months exactly till Frank's first game, wasn't it? Frank won his first game, three, was it 4 1, 3 0, first two, first two matches? Uh, and we're probably saying, oh, we've done this under Frank, why didn't he do it under Benitez? And we probably have those conversations if you go back to the Royal Blue Podcast at the time. So I think he has got every right to. Um, but only time will tell, won't it really, to answer that question. It's whether in three months' time, and the players will be the same, still get the same rules as Saturday, Frank can say that the same. But Sean will say, well, actually, I've got them more, you know, a better system, fitter, etc. So only time will tell, Joe, I think, on, on that one. But same old thing, you know, we've got players... For whatever reason, do have this new manager bounce, and there's lots of reasons for that, isn't there? Really, it's easy, Paul. I think sometimes to almost reduce Daesh's tactics and what he's doing to you know, to, to say, say it's a simple approach to the game. But you know, we, we talk about Lampard and being at a different stage in his his managerial career, and, and obviously having played at a much higher level than than, than Daesh did as well. Do you think that almost? We know that simple is more effective because, as Gav says, you know, players knowing exactly what they need to do on the pitch often leads to them being able to perform much better because the game's much, you know, the game plan is much more straightforward. You know, do you think that comes from the experience of dice? Actually, sometimes perhaps some managers almost start their careers with lots of ideas and lots of different ways of thinking and approaches in their head. And actually, you need the experience, you need the disappointment, the ups and downs, to almost grind some of them out, and some of those ideas out of you. You need to make mistakes other times to make mistakes, and then. Through that, you define your simple approach and then becomes an effective approach, as, as, as Dice has shown us, you know, can be successful after at least over 90 minutes during his first game. Yeah, I agree. You know, <clears throat> Sean Dice had experience with Watford uh, and had lost his job there. 
And then at Burnley, they were learning processes, you know, did in finished his first season, he finished mid-table, then he got them up, came straight back down. So he's had time to really develop his own style. And I suppose with Frank, he went straight into Chelsea, which was a very big, very tough job at the time because obviously he had the, the transfer ban. There was big expectations around Derby. There was a lot of money spent. And then Everton, you know, it is one of the toughest jobs around. So it, it feels on Frank that he probably will have to go somewhere now and develop his managerial style because, as we've all said on this podcast so far, Sean Dyke has certainly got that. And it's, it's not a simple style. And, and I'm glad in the lead, lead up to the game that there was more discussion about how he sets teams up. And we've seen it on Saturday. It's not a simple style. It's just a simplified style. Uh, you know what you're going to get, but it's a really good system. That on Saturday was no mean. If, if we would have, before the game, took a backs against the wall, 1-0, Arsenal hit the bar three or four times, Pickford made four or five saves, we would have snapped your hands off. But anyone who's seen that full 90 minutes, it was nothing like that at all. Uh, I think up until the six, up until probably Dominic Calvert-Levin substitution, we were every bit as good as Arsenal, if not better, deserved the lead. After that, obviously, we lost our focal point, even though Mopai did do well, as Connor has said. Uh, and then we did hang on a little bit, but it was it was a deserved one nil. It wasn't a back to the wall one nil. And I think Deitch, all the things that we hoped in the week, and one game is only one game, isn't it? We're still a long way to go, still in the bottom three. But all the things that we'd hoped that Sean Deitch would bring, I think we may have just witnessed it on Saturday because it. it, it I just thought I, you know people are, people who have coaches will know better than me. But I thought the way we pressed though was was so impressive as well. I think sometimes with the Frank. We pressed, you know, there's no lack of effort. We pressed, but it didn't feel organised and structured. You know, Arsenal, I didn't think Arsenal were too bad on Saturday. I thought they were okay. And I, I think obviously top levels to what they played previously this season. But that's, that's not hard, really, considering it's only the fourth time they've dropped points all season in the Premier League. But I thought we were more than a measure for them. And I think we, we really challenged them tactically on Saturday. And I don't think they had an answer in the end of the day. Uh, and yeah, the, the new manager bounce, players are going to be up for it. Yeah, all that. But let's not take away the credit for, for Deitch and the players on Saturday. You know, we went into that game as second from bottom in a team who were, I think, in Premier League history since the Premier League obviously formed in the early 90s. I think they were in the top five teams after 19 games played for points. And that's obviously including like the remarkable Man City and uh, Liverpool teams of recent years. Evan would be a really top team there on Saturday. And uh, yeah, it, it wasn't a fluke. It was, uh, it was, it was really impressive and I'm really, really hopeful for what Deitch is going to bring. We're just a round off, yeah. We don't want to, and it, it seems like Dyke has been very careful with this, uh, with the press conferences you had to be in, to in any way, you know, talk down about Frank Lampard because we won't forget the job he did last season, keeping this club up. And let's not forget, he had some really big 1-0 wins against good teams at home as well. But it just feels, even though at this early stage, that we've got more experienced manager now. And I'm not saying Frank's, you know, might not get back to a club like Everton, but he may need to take a couple of step back to uh, to go forward with the game. I think it, it, it certainly felt, and I think this is a common thing, that Everton perhaps a bit nice, a bit passive under Frank, and they certainly had that fight back in them, didn't they, on on, on Saturday. I thought probably clearest um, evidence of the attitude shift, I thought, in the first 10 minutes was Mikolenko. I think been three big tackles in the first six minutes, giving away a foul for the first one, but... By the third one, you know, he tracked Saka inside, slid in, dispossessed him, and it was just it was just a different side. And later on in the game, and I know we don't like cynical tackles or things like that, but I think I think it was with Everton were one 0 up, and um, Mikolenko he just took out Saka on the halfway line. Saka was breaking forward, 
he took the yellow card, he took him out, and all right, we know it's not fair play, we know things like that, but sometimes you just need to have the awareness to do something like that, don't you? The wiliness to to say, you know what, the best way to protect the goal now is just to take him out rather than get another 30 yards, get an assist or win a free kick in a dangerous area. Thought, you know, Connor alluded to that earlier as well. We saw it with Neil Mope in that, that you know, the last 25 minutes when he was on the pitch, okay, he's not the target man, we know he's not a target man, but he kept those centre-backs occupied. He kept them wound up. He just annoyed them, didn't he? He just, he just gave them something else to focus on other than getting back into that game. And it just makes such a difference. And when you have players that do like that, that, that play like that and that fight and show that they're willing to put their bodies on the line like that, obviously you then get the reaction from the crowd as well. Connor, you know, Goodison was at it. It was at its fiercest best, wasn't it? It was always going to be. I mean, and we talked about process. We talked about what's gone on the discontent in relation to the, you know, the the anger around the running of the board of the club and the protests against the board and the fact that we got to the January transfer window without a single signing, which is shambolic, of course, as we spoke about that last week. There's never any doubt that Sean Dyche was going to get the utmost support from those fans once they were inside the stadium. Was there Connor? And, and they really did deliver, didn't they? Yeah, I mean. You know, the, the notion of him, you know, when he spoke at length, didn't he quite know on Thursday at his first press conference where he took for unity and get behind the team and stuff. And, and you know, you can understand why he was saying that because he's obviously been probably aware of what's going on and seen, seen what everyone's seen over the last couple of weeks about things have, you know, gone. But yeah, you, you knew on Saturday that everyone was going to be not just right behind him, but right behind his plays and his team and, and, and play their part. And, and roll the side over the line. And I think they did roll the side over the line on Saturday, I really do. I think, you know, that last course of 10 minutes, you know, everyone was up on their feet. And there was one moment for me that really summed, summed up the change in atmosphere and mood. And I think it was about, Everton were already winning about 20 minutes to go. And Mikhailenko was a shot from 40 yards. And I think it doubles heads, rolled doubles heads in the upper class of the street. You know, he's never in a million years going to test Ramsdale. But he got clapped and he had cheers. And it was like, you know, unlucky. You think back two weeks ago, if you don't any Southampton or Brighton, it'd have been rows, it'd have been boos, it'd have been frustration, you know. And that was the moment for me after summed up the whole change, the place, you know, uh, uh, something like that could easily be taken the other way, but yeah, it was greeted with encouragement. And, and that's, I think that's the big difference, isn't it? I think them, these players, are, a lot of them are clearly confident players. See that kind of thing, you know. They, they, they grow in stature, they think they're more confident, bigger, and, and could just play the part in, you know, them. That plays growing in stature and growing confidence the more the game went on because I think ultimately the top bottom line is Everton supporters know they are one of the best chances this club has got to survive in the Premier League. We saw it last year. You know the fans kept them up to the, you know they the scenes we saw the home games the scenes we saw away games and you know I think the prospect and the thoughts of watching their side in the Championship next season is so daunting. I find that a willingness to park any green to stay quite against the board. You know. Seeing figures of the club at the at the tier style, obviously when they go in and they get four behind it, the even and I think you know Saturday showed it that supporters you know have the right to protest and their agreements as they have, which they did do in large numbers, but they can still then come into Goodison and absolutely roll this and get them over the line because we saw we like you say we saw Goodison's best and you know there's a lot of a lot of great talk about Everton's new stadium, Bramley Ward, how good it's going to be. It will be good and it will be you know absolutely superb for the club from a, a transformation point of view but you know I got this position where we missed because when it's out to fourth just best like it was on Saturday there's no place quite like it in football absolutely you see you're right it was a substantial numbers that took place in the protest before the game 
on Saturday. And obviously, everything passed off peacefully. I think they made, they made their voices clear and their frustration with the, the running of the, the club, which, as I say, we've covered on this for, for quite some time. The board didn't attend again, and it's going to be interesting to see what what has to change now for them to come back. I think I think that's going to be... I mean, to say extend they're damned if they do, they're damned if they don't. If they, if they don't turn up, they're missing Sean Dyche's first game. They do turn up, then the story becomes about them as well. But I mean, that's going to be another interesting narrative for Leeds in a fortnight's time or so to see how that one develops. But we'll we'll stick to matters on the pitch. Gav, was there anyone in particular that you were you were impressed with from their individual performances? I can think of a number, but I don't want to influence your your decision. I think we can all, we can think of a number that adds up that that comes to eleven, doesn't it? Twelve, <laughs> can't multiply, and that was difficult to fault anybody really. Um, I think I think going back to you know Frank being you know unhappy seeing you know in the way seeing the players perform I think Decore is the single biggest example of that isn't it really and you know Decore may argue well I performed like that on Saturday because I may have had differences with Lampard and that's affected me game and so on so Decore is that prime example isn't he I think of the difference between Frank Lampard and um John Dice, but Mayo Nana, I just think he's a. He's talking about after the game. He's out, outstanding. I thought, and, and the thing with him as well is, like I always think this about Gareth Bale is, there's another twenty or thirty percent there with the Nana, isn't it? Quite easily that, I don't, I don't think, I think it's there, but I don't think sometimes he doesn't u- utilize it. I mean, that run on Saturday down the left wing. That was on the highlight of the game for me. He just put the, uh, the afterburners on, didn't he? And I know it was a guard. I think it was over the guards. It was not the fastest in the Paris, but that was great to see. And it was a great ball across the uh, the box as well. You know, seen loads of players you, you, with speed, but at the end, they've got no product. So, Anana was, I thought Anana was top man for me. I thought some, some great tackles. You know, I think you can overdo the old fish pumping on the, on the, on the, the hands on the bats, you know, after that tackle by the, Gladstone's end by the uh, by the corner flag near the end. You can overdo that sometimes, but see why he got carried away. But he was outstanding. You can you can see why there the 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 the, 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 the side of the coin with the nod that is. There was talk in January about some going, wasn't there? And it's that other side of the coin is you do well for us in our current position, and you're young. And you've got qualities that maybe some of the big clubs haven't got, which I thought Arsenal didn't have with them on, on Saturday, then you're going to be a target. And it'll be interesting to see what happens over the summer with, with him after a rather, you know, only half a season, if that. And I thought he was outstanding. And and got thought couldn't really fault anybody else. Mimote came on and was just, I hate the phrase nuisance value. <laughs> it's a bit, bit of a little comments, isn't it? But I think nuisance value and Mopeke go hand in hand. But everybody bought an order. I thought he was he was top class. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. It was interesting because in the um, in the media room before the game, I was listening to, to some of the Arsenal reporters who travelled up from London, uh, and they were all talking about Mope because they hate playing him. Apparently, he just always causes Arsenal problems. They just can't. He's the four in their side, whoever he's playing for at the time. They just can't seem to deal with him. And it wasn't so much, obviously, in terms of chances created or, or, or scored on, on, on Saturday. But 
I mean, he certainly did prove a handful for him when he did come on. Um, Paul, I think, you know, going into that game for so many reasons, Everton fans just needed a sign of hope, didn't they? I don't think that... He, I think, I think there, was a, there was a scenario in which Everton could have lost that match and fans could still come, have come away happy, I think, if, they, if they'd have seen a bit of fight, if they'd have seen a little bit of resilience, if they'd have seen something to to reassure them that the, the Premier League survival was still a possibility and wasn't just down to hoping that three other teams are worse than Everton. Just just on a scale as to where you were, say, five past 11 on Tuesday as... Window <laughs> <laughs> closes. As, 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 as I put in the WhatsApp group, there's no deal sheet, sheets in. Um, and we go through that knowing that the team hasn't strengthened and knowing what is to come in relation to Arsenal and the rest of the season. And compare that to where you were at, say, five past five on Saturday after that performance and, of course, that win. Just, obviously, none of us can get carried away. And Sean Dyche has been cleared that people can't get carried away after after, after one result and one performance, etc. But how much, how much more positive do you feel now that Everton's survival might actually be, at least, at the very least, in their own hands? Hugely, again, it was a complete error election of duties it does sound like the club did try its hardest to stand this to bring players in but to have gone the whole window weaker uh, so gone the whole window without signing someone and then to actually end it weaker than we actually started it, it, it really really is a poor show and, and I'm, well, I'm not saying this with the benefit of, of hindsight now but I, I just felt that, that the appointment of Deitch was the most important thing we needed signings but I think signings or no signings Deitch it was was going to give us a chance because I just felt certainly on the Lampard, not all the time, but certainly that last six weeks, you know, losing the home to Southampton, losing the way to West Ham, losing the home to Wolves. I just felt if we cannot beat teams who were deservedly in the bottom three alongside us, and to be quite honest, uh, you know, the performances of Wolves and Southampton were the greatest, were the goodest, and I just felt that the end, at the end had come. So it was always in the back of my mind. I think the biggest change may have been made as I said earlier, it was the performance on Saturday. If it was, if it was, you know, a gritty one nil where we scraped it, then yeah, you you kind of think, you know, can we get away with that each week? But I I do think again, it might be too early to say, but I think it is a bit of a blueprint that we've seen there that I'd hope we could try and replicate. You know, on Monday at Anfield, and in the I suppose it's a a different kettle of fish when a Leeds come to us where we might be expected to to you know to go at them, but. Contradict myself a bit there. I thought we did have a go at Arsenal on Saturday. You know, I, I, I it just felt right. Uh, so I, the, the hope was always a smithering hope there, even after that transfer deadline day. But yeah, certainly come, you know, come whatever time we got out of Goodison on Saturday, it's, it's gone a lot further. I just think a big thing for me, you know, we talk about individual players there, obviously, might be an honor, got a lot of praise. Uh, just mentioned James Coleman, I thought he was absolutely, absolutely superb. I still think he's Everton's best right back. Which is probably, uh, you know, a damning indictment of our, you know, our recruitment over the years, and that's not knocking Patterson, obviously. But he's, I still think he's our best right back and forward. He was absolutely superb on Saturday. But for over sixty minutes, we saw the difference that Dominic Calvert Lewin has made. Uh, I thought he was absolutely magnificent. Uh, I know he should have scored maybe one, two, or three goals, but I thought that was as good as I've seen him, bar from probably the couple of games at the back end of last season. I thought he was really good against Brentford before the uh, descending off. And I thought he was excellent, obviously, against Palace in that second half. But I thought he was absolutely brilliant. And I think if we can nurse him 
through the through each week. So he's out there on a Saturday, and even if it's seventy minutes, I think that's going to be absolutely massive. Particularly the way with with the style that Dyke likes to play. I've never seen us for a long time put so many balls as we mentioned earlier into the box, and that's clearly what Calvert Lewin needs. You know, that's where under that great season under Ancelotti, he, he got most of his goals in the six yard box or in or in the penalty area. Uh, so I think, yeah, a lot more hopeful, but. In the back of my mind, I, I would be worried if we lost Calvert-Lewin uh, a longer term because in Mopai was really good on Saturday when he came on. After Maybe after about the first 10 minutes, he was finding his feet a little bit. I just hope that that uh, the failure to sign another striker in the transfer window where uh, doesn't come back, come, come back to bite us, really. It's going to be really interesting, I think, on that front. I think we can all agree the importance of Dominic Calvert-Lewin to Evans' season. Uh, one thing I was doing yesterday, I watched Forest Leeds, or caught most of the second half anyway, and, and Leeds, who, you know, on a bad run of forward, I think Jesse Marsh is probably the under pressure manager now in the Premier League at, at, at the minute. And obviously, they're in a similar situation with Patrick Bamford. They've got a, a player they know that can lead the front line and score goals in the Premier League, but they've just had a, a hellish 18 months of, of injury and for, lack of form and injury and lack of form. And again, yeah, he started for Leeds yesterday, but struggled to make much of an impact. It's going to be really interesting. I, I tweeted it yesterday. Some people disagree, some, but kind of when I look at the bottom of the table, I have this fear that I think that West Ham and Wolves will probably pull away from the battle eventually. Um, when I just look at some of the players they've got in their squads, it's Southampton and Bournemouth that I think Everton can, can who are they are above now. And, and Leeds, who I think are probably the the main three that I think are targets at, at, at the moment. Connor, obviously, I'm sure like all of us, should have been more reassured of the survival hopes coming out of, of Goodison Park on on Saturday afternoon. Did that did that change at all as you saw the results and the, the performances over the rest of the weekend? Like, I mean, where does... Now that you've seen the transfer window and now that you've seen the first 90 minutes after, you've seen the first glimpse of Everton of the Dyche... And then you've seen, obviously, Southampton lost uh, away away at Brighton, late goal there. Bournemouth, they got beaten quite comfortably by Brentford. Leeds failed to turn up any trees against Forest. You, know, where do you see the next few months kind of playing out, and what do you think is most important to Everton's survival beyond Dominic Carver Lewin staying fit? Where games at Goodison Park mm. is the biggest thing that is going to be crucial for Everton staying in this division, because like Paul was alluded to already. Everton have tossed points away already. You think they drew with Forest in August? They've been beaten by Wolves, Southampton. You know they've they've been beaten by teams who they should be beaten essentially. In my opinion, so I think winning games at Goodison is going to be absolutely huge because when you think of the games they've got to come at Goodison, when you think of Leeds, Aston Villa, Brentford, you know these are all kind of teams that you would be hoping expecting Everton to be said they're going to give themselves any chance of staying up. Um, so yeah, I think you know making Goodison Park a fortress and maximise as many points as they can from them Hongians is going to be absolutely crucial because that's what it's going to come down to like the, the nip and tuck in, in them areas where it's going to be tight, it's going to be you know tough, and, and I don't think anyone will get carried away. There's going to be lots of twists and turns. You know, a team might get sucked in, it sucked in. Who's you know who thinks that they're clear at the minute? You know, someone could go or a run who's down here at the minute and, and end up you know going into March April in a much comfortable position than what they found themselves in. You know. In January, so I think there's still an awful lot of play because it is so tight. I mean, that's one thing we can't we can't lose sight of. It's so tight down there. There's no, you know, there's no teams and the cut adrift. But yeah, I think you know, 
home base for Everton will be absolutely huge because if even you know, Goodison is if it's Goodison is like where it is on Saturday, and if it can start picking up punts, then that'll be massive for them in in the running because I think you know obviously Calvert Lewin's fitness is a major concern, but for me I think winning winning your home games is, is equally as big because that's what Ella Lewin comes to. We need to be hoping that Ella Roll plays a factor in them staying up. You know. All, all them teams that are around us will be hoping that their their home form comes good. So I think Everton have got to got to win as many games as they can now at home moving moving forward. But you know, don't get me wrong, they're still a top ass because there's no there's no giving in the Premier League. But I don't, you just got that more of a reassure feeling. And I think Paul's spot on what he said. I think one transfer Everton did make was you know the removal of Frank Lampard's England and Sean Dyche because you know this this will sound incredibly harsh towards Frank. And, uh, there's no easy way to put this, but. He is a better manager than Frank Lampard, Sean Dyche. He is an improvement on what Everton has. He's got more experience. He's got more know-how about the Premier League. And I think we saw that, you know, like I said already, you know, seven days, five training sessions, and we saw massive improvements on what we've been witnessing since probably the, the return of football boxes against Wolves. So, yeah, I think, you know, Dyche himself, but Everton's home form is going to be is going to be crucial. But just on that, I go back to Orlando. I do take great pride in Orlando standing off on Saturday. Because I did write last week that I need a relegation hero and he's the sole candidate who can who can step forward and lead the charge. <laughs> he kind of read that piece and decides to take it upon himself to lead by example. And you know, I kind of put me on the way to being proven right that he was the man all along who, who could fill the void over Charleston last season. Absolutely. You talk about there again about home form being key. Obviously, it is Leeds, it is the next home game at Goodison Park. And I think, you know, that's. That run of fixtures at the back end of this month and then the beginning of March, I think it's it's Leeds at home, Villa at home, Forest away, Brentford at home. All of a sudden, that feels like a really a big opportunity to kind of almost get a head start on the final months of the season, pick up some points and perhaps, you know, get a couple of wins at least, pull themselves out the bottom three and hopefully build a bit of a gap to some of the teams that are in it. Before then, Gav, obviously we've got the derby now. Derby is something that is a week today, so we'll we'll have two podcasts probably before the derby. We'll certainly one preview one on, on on Friday, and then we may might make a call so we have to do one on the Monday daytime or the Tuesday after it. I think we'll focus on this more later on in the week. But what are you hoping to see at the derby? From I mean, are you hoping to see a similar kind of performance? Do you, do you feel more confident going into that Liverpool side that have got their own struggles at the minute? How do you feel about the derby? You go into it with as much trepidation, trepidation as normal, or is this a free hit? Or uh, I wouldn't say trepidation for the simple reason that Liverpool are obviously struggling uh, a lot, and so that that's the one. You know, I haven't said that I've seen Liverpool struggling in a lot in the past and then play against us and turn it on. So I'm not even sure that that's a um, that's a given. But a lot more confidence than what I would have been seven days ago, purely on the base that going back to what the general theme of this podcast is quite clearly that Dice has a system that he wants to play. And on Saturday, the players show that they can quite quickly learn how to play in that system. And if we take that to Anfield in seven days' time, I think that will stand us in a good stead. That a bit Liverpool play a slightly different way, perhaps to Arsenal, you know, in terms of how their fullbacks play for, for the start. And so, so definitely far more uh, confidence. I also think there'll probably be, and this makes a change, there'll be a few Liverpool fans who perhaps won't be looking forward to as much as what they would normally be doing so. And that's not necessarily just down to their own thought. 
if they watched uh, watch Saturday's game. So we'll talk about it later in the week, but I'm definitely uh, more confident now for uh, it's a derby. And we know what happens, but I think if we, if we, if we, we only say is if we apply ourselves like we did on Saturday and work hard, then I've not got a problem with the results. You know, some of that is out of our control, and that's what I'm looking for. Absolutely. It'd be quite interesting because obviously it was, it was the Anfield derby last season, the, the defeat on that Sunday, which is, it was that day with Burnley, um, they beat Wolves earlier on. That sent Everton into the relegation zone, didn't they? Right at the back end of April last season. Be nice if Everton could get a result that would take them out of the relegation zone this time around Anfield, wouldn't it? Well, look, we'll we'll bring it to a head there because obviously we're getting onto the derby now. That's going to be our main focus for later on in the week. Um, but once again, everyone, thanks very much for joining us. This has been the Royal Blue Podcast. Enjoy your week. You're doing it with Everton with a win in a bag, three points. That's it. Enjoy this momentum. Thanks very much for joining us. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.